0: Coming up next on The Jeff Curly Show, we're going to talk to the legendary broadcaster, Jody Dean. We're going to look back on his career and look forward to what he's doing now. His journey just ahead. I'm a little bit of a fangirl right now because I'm in the studio with Jody Dean and he's just a broadcast legend. He's been in TV, radio, uh, film now for 50 years. Can you believe that? Jody Dean, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. It's good to be here, (laughs) Jeff. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited. Okay, let's talk about the very early days. Mm. You're breaking into broadcasting. How old were you? I was 13 years old and working at Bill Weaver
1: Sporting Goods in Fort Worth. Bill's son, Wade, was good friends with a guy named Greg Branson. And Greg had a late night, Saturday night monster movie showcase called the Museum of Horrors. And they needed someone to play Frankenstein. But you're 13. I was tall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was tall. Now, did you have that voice at 13? uh I don't know. I don't, I've never,
1: my voice is just, it, you know, it is what it is, you know, and I don't know that it's all that good. Uh, I've never been a fan of listening back to it. A lot of people have accused me of loving the sound of my own voice. I really don't. Wow. I really don't.
0: Well, I, I always wish I, I, they call it the voice of God. I always wish I had the voice of God <laughs> like, like you. Um, early radio days. Uh, take me back, was it college?
1: College, KACU. I did the morning show on the campus radio station and, um, you know, two-hour shift or something like that. It was so much fun uh, sprinting across the campus in the gloomy hours before dawn, of course, and getting there. And I don't know that anybody listened. It was a carrier current station, which meant it had the same power as your hairdryer. <laughs> and um, and sometimes it didn't, you couldn't listen to it because of your hairdryer. Um, and so... It was a blast. I mean, you get to play music. You're playing somebody's favorite song, and you can't not like that. Uh, you can't not enjoy that. It's just a blast. So I, I thoroughly fell in Actually, I must say that the reason that I fell in love with radio mm-hmm. was my high school girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I started in TV, uh, radio beckoned because uh, she loved this Highland Park radio station. that had this odd reverb sound called KVIL. And I started listening to KBIL, a Fort Worth kid who grew up on KXOL and KFJZ. And I discovered this Dallas radio station. I went, I like their philosophy. I like the, what, what they're doing, how they do it. And so that became my mission. Uh, and I wound up meeting Ron Chapman in 19, late 1980 when we were just about to open Billy Bob's Texas. Wow. I was the DJ and master of ceremonies and rodeo announcer at Billy Bob's. I'd been a nightclub DJ at a couple of places, and that group moved over to Billy Bob's to run it, and they took me. And so Ron came in with Larry Dixon one night when we were hanging the speakers in the rodeo arena, and I walked up to him, and I had on like two-inch riding heels and a big buckskin jacket, and it looked like Hank Williams Jr., and I, and I towered over him, and I'd stuck my finger and said, like, I'm going to come work for you, you know, and he's like, yeah. He said, why don't you come watch the show sometime, and I was there the next morning at three. No kidding. I left Billy Bob's, went straight to the radio station, waited in the parking lot for him. I love that. That's hustle. And he finally hired me to get me to stop bugging him because I'd send him an air check and they were terrible. I was horrible. I had no idea what I was doing. and But he saw something, heard something and uh, stuck me on. He called me and said, would you like to work Monday, Tuesday mornings from 2 a.m. to 6.
0: <laughs> and I said, absolutely. And so that's how it started. Yeah. Okay. So when Jody Kim comes on my radar screen, uh, I'm still a young reporter at, at uh, Fox 4. And uh, by 94, I'm interviewing you at KRLD. And we've got a we've got a picture from way back when. Oh, and gosh. You're, look at that mullet. You recognize that guy? Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> that hangs on the wall of Kincaid's hamburgers in Fort Worth. I think that's the only people who. <laughs> still have it up. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, um, I also want to talk about your book because you don't want to talk uh, about it. Well, you can, what? if
1: you want to, but it's not the book I'd write now. It's not funny enough. Number one, it's so serious. I was so naive.
0: But I I, okay. Let's put the book cover up Um, because I you know I'm I'm reporting at Channel Four and I think you're anchoring at CBS 11 at the time. What what uh, made you decide to write the book and what would you well I don't know if I can cuss on this show, but God kicked the ever loving s out of me. Uh,
1: Life kicked the ever loving s out of me. I had gone so far down a horrible road of self deception and you know I I became um, I, I hid I hid behind this person that I was supposed to be. And I wasn't honest about myself. And so it took a lot of divorces. It took a lot of uh, tears. And so when I wrote that book, um, I think I learned two things. Number one, your mother will always buy your book. I think she's the only one who did. Uh, and the other thing is, if you are an author, if you are a writer, never let the publisher or your agent change the title. Mm-hmm. That's like walking into the nursery and someone changing the name of your baby. The title, was given to you by your muse. And if you let somebody else change that because I think it's more marketable, it doesn't have a good effect. They, nobody wanted to hear finding God in the evening news. People wanted to watch the news and find confirmation of their worst bias, their worst fears. They wanted to find evil in the evening news, you know, right. prejudice, whatever it was. Nobody, I viewed it and still do as a 30 minute call to prayer or contemplation or meditation. And uh, my original title was from the book of, uh, ooh, I want to say, gosh, I can't remember now. He uh, put me on the spot, but it was called Footsteps on the Mountain. Mm-hmm. And the actual uh, verse in the Bible is, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news, blessed are the feet of those on the mountain who bring good news. And it was at a time when people were not nearly so divided, were not nearly so angry with each other. Right. And as I said, it was quite naive. Mm-hmm. There's a chapter in the book tell you how naive it was. When I was doing Positively Texas at CBS 11, we had great guests come through. We saw Beyonce and Destiny's Child when it was four kids in a van (laughs) driven by their dad across the state of Texas. Well we had Kevin Spacey on. And Kevin, after the segment was over, you usually saw him head to the back door get the limo and leave. He hung around in studio. My boys were there that day. Wow. He wanted to talk to my sons. It was so nice. So well, we found out later why. <laughs> and I devoted a chapter to talking about a great guy Kevin Spacey was. So, oh, wow. you know, I look back at that and I went, ah. But it was too serious. Um, in the years since writing that book, I've discovered that God has a fantastic sense of mischief and a great <laughs> sense of humor, and it was not reflected in that book. I would not write that book again. I'm a little embarrassed that you put it up there. Sorry,
0: but- <laughs> wouldn't have come <laughs> I, if you didn't. Right, I want to no talk, talk you about do uh, that. Y- You are the hardest working man in showbiz. No, uh, thank uh, because you, that's at that's one true. point you're doing both morning radio and afternoon TV. We've got some old shots of you, that's uh, that's you. Clean shaven, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> the four and five o'clock news, I guess it was, right? Uh, noon.
1: noon, we did okay. the noon, I did the four. Um, got to work with incredible people, Renee Seiler, Karen Borda, Maria, yeah. um, who I just adored. Um, boy, look at those suits. Boy, are those out of fashion or what? Uh, you, had yeah, to be, you had to
0: be chronically tired. Were you just tired all the time?
1: No, I wasn't. Uh, I mean, yeah, I didn't get enough sleep and that's probably why this is white. But <laughs> that in sixty-four years, but uh, I, I was so excited to be doing it that I really didn't care. And I would—I remember when nine eleven occurred. Uh, obviously, it was all hands on deck for everyone. And uh, the one thing that bothered me about it, in particular, doing the news was the rest of the world thinks tragedy, and we can't help but think showtime. Right. Because that's when we're on. Right. And. That that bothered me, still does, a little bit. And I think that that bothers the viewer quite a bit too sometimes because they see us using promos. I was watching coverage of the Alan Mall shooting. Um, obviously, everybody saw that. And I remember thinking to myself, there was a TV station that led with the story, obviously, and they had this somber violin music as if we don't know right. that it's tragic. We have to tell you by the soundtrack that we're going right. to make it even worse... If it's that somber a lead, go with cold open, don't use music, don't manipulate right. people. And I realized that a lot of what we do unintentionally, there's no horrible motive involved, but it is manipulative yeah. and to be able to broadcast, especially as uh, and I never called myself a journalist because I didn't earn it. I was a storyteller and I knew a lot about manipulation prior to writing that book. Um, yeah, it just didn't make sense. It did not feel authentic, Yes, you know, and that was the disconnect for me. And there were times, you know, as we all did, um, we'd go home and carry those stories with us. Wow. But by the same token, the opportunity to be on TV, to be on radio, to do both in a major market, I've never worked outside of this market. I didn't have any ambition to, yeah. uh, I love it here. I'm from Fort Worth, live in Dallas. Um, that's like a kid at Christmas in many ways. And I know I was never tired. What?
0: Okay. How many, I'd years? sleep
1: in the car while I was driving.
0: <laughs> uh, I'd go to, I'd crash on the couch in the studio, but never tired. How many years did you, uh, work with and around Ron Chapman? Well, he
1: hired me in uh, 1982 and I worked with him until 1994. First, uh, at the station, which mm-hmm. was, A form of working with him, but then directly from 1987 till 1994 as his producer. And uh, that was, uh, he was my Obi-Wan, still is. Um, It's funny, right after Ron passed, uh, a cardinal showed up in our backyard. And of course, a lot of people say, well, is that the spirit of the departed visiting you? And Fiona said, if that's Ron, what do you think he's saying to you right now? And I went... Edit 20%. <laughs> and that was the kind of, I mean, he would call me up and, and years after he retired. And the, the coolest thing about working with Ron was uh, it was hard. It was like playing for Vince Lombardi. Wow. But you learn so much. I learned so much. Um, I'd like him to know if he's listening somewhere that it it stuck. Wow. It, it took a while, but it stuck.
0: Well, does this feel a little bit like this is your life, Jody Dean? Because I'm going through all your old footage. Well, and, gonna, I, yeah. and I found I found this amazing clip. Oh, no. Okay, let's I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm let's, terrified. Let's go ahead and roll it. <laughs>
1: okay. I've got a couple of things I want to do. And, yeah. and there are things that some people here on the staff have done and some other friends have done that they've really, really worked hard at. Beautiful stuff. Uh, and one of them is Douglas Lowe who, who yeah. labored in our production room to put together a few pieces of audio that might be fun to do on this last morning. And then if you missed it yesterday morning, the vocal majority stood out on the top level of our concrete parking lot with a microphone in front of them and sang a song to me yesterday morning and it's pretty remarkable so i want to do both of those i think that's a great thing to do and i want to get out of the way for the next 45 minutes so i want to do this right now okay i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to be on the radio for the next 45 minutes okay okay? you take over at nine yeah well i i follow you yeah if you follow me i'll never take over okay all right. So I wanted to get this out of the way now. And now that I think about doing it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it or not. Yeah, don't. Get but you... it's quick, okay? Uh, for the past several days, I thought about what I was going to say right now. And I guess in the back of my mind, I thought about it for several years. To be honest, I haven't any more grasp of the right thing to say right now than I did six weeks ago. But the story of Elijah keeps coming to mind. When the great prophet was caught away, Elisha picked up the mantle of his mentor and could only manage two words. My father, mm. and in every way a man could be, you are that to me. I'd like a double share of your spirit, but half would do. So I thank you for the music and your stories of the road. I thank you for the freedom when it came my time to go. I thank you for the kindness and the times when you got tough. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. And Ron, I don't think I said I love you near enough.
0: Um, Jody's got tears in his eyes. You loved that man. I really did. I really did.
1: Uh, I've had a lot of fathers, a lot of great fathers. Uh, He was a handful and uh, some days made life difficult because he was exacting and demanding and specifically knew what he wanted. But it dawned on me after he left, well, actually, after I got out on my own and went from KVIL to KRLD and on why he was so intense, especially in the last few years in the evolution of broadcasting, radio and television. He knew what was coming. He always knew what was coming, and he wanted to see us get the best out of our abilities in order to survive it. And it frustrated him no end when we settled for less than that. And so, yeah, there were days where there were horrible C to J meetings, and you know, I, I remember one time. Um, God bless him. He threw me out of a meeting. We just got in the Cowboys broadcast rights, and I asked a question out of turn. I was supposed to be one of the producers on the broadcast and he threw me out of the meeting and uh, I went to the other production room and I was ready. To, I wanted to kill the guy. In fact, uh, Michael Ray, who's now with the North Texas Tollway Authority, Scott West, God bless him. He's no longer with us. Tim Vasquez no longer with us. God bless him. Uh, took me to Louis on Henderson and got me drunk and talked me out of shooting up his house. <laughs> I was furious. But he was right. And um, that was the thing that frustrated a lot of people. He was always right. And when he was tough on you, it wasn't because he didn't like you. It's because he recognized your talent and he knew that if you didn't get the most out of it, you were not going to survive consolidation. You were not going to survive consultants. Yeah. You were not going to survive. My problem was is that I tried to Conduct my career like Ron did twenty years after you could do that. Wow. When Ron was in in on the throne, there was no HR. <laughs> there was no HR. So you could throw a tape reel at a guy's head, and it was like, eh, hey, whatever. You know, I was playing by the nineteen sixties and seventies rules in the nineteen nineties and two thousands, and it just didn't play. It rubbed a lot of people raw. But Ron loved you. And even though it seemed like an odd way to express it, but there was a certain urgency in everything he did. And so, yeah, um, I I did love the man
0: quite a bit. Still do, still talk to him. Well, I I found all these different tribute videos, but one of my favorites is one that I think you may have put together. Let's go ahead and Oh my gosh, oh my.
1: So get ready and listen, my children, and you shall hear.
2: It's true. It's true. The crown has made it clear. The climate must be perfect all the year. A law was made a distant moon ago here. July and August cannot be too hot. And there's a legal limit to the snow here. In Camelot. The winter is forbidden till December And exits March the 2nd on the dot By order summer lingers through September In Camelot 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 I know it sounds a bit bizarre But in Camelot Camelot That's how conditions are The rain may never fall till after sundown By eight, the morning fog must disappear In short, there's simply not a more congenial spot For happily ever aftering Than here in Camelot A person calls, But in Camelot, Camelot, those are the legal laws. The snow may never slosh upon the hillside. By 9 pm, the moonlight must appear. In short, there's simply not a more congenial spot for happily ever after. Than here in Camelot
0: Jody, I, I mean, I'm blown away. Just the love that you showed when you put that together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a very dear friend who's another one of my mentors
1: named Hugh Ainsworth, who is a legendary yeah, journalist. Yeah, yeah. And my eyes are red now. Bring the makeup back. Um, <laughs> and when during COVID, we all lost a lot of people. And, and some of us lost very close people. And um, during that time, Hugh suggested that I start doing funeral videos. I went, oh, no, and and I love the suggestion. But the problem is to do that, you have to actually uh, insinuate yourself in people's lives. And if you're any good as a video editor at all, you have to kind of take on the emotions. And so that was a lot of a lot of pain. But putting that one together when Ron passed away, that was a tribute to the family because uh, the shared experience of working for him for the Tasmanian devil of radio. Right. Um, It was something that we still talk about. We get together, those of us who are still around, get together and talk about it. And um, I I talked to Nancy, uh, Ron's wife, uh, a while back, and I said, how are you? And she said, I miss the laughter. And people don't understand what radio was then and what it had the power to do. Uh, We did a promotion once where we had a Labor Day fireworks became our thing, the end of summer celebration, right? And so Ron came in, he'd been to the Kentucky Derby and he was so fired up, he said, I have an idea. We're going to do morning fireworks, morning before dawn on a holiday weekend. We brought 80,000 listeners out to what is now Stonebridge Ranch. It was in the middle of nowhere. The only thing that was there was the house that they built to demonstrate what this whole area was going to look like. Camped on the hills before sunrise listening to the Dallas Wind Symphony eating Owens Country Sausage and free 7-Eleven coffee. You could look down the farm roads. There were only farm roads. There were no highways. Central, and that was it. You get off at Virginia, it was two lanes. and the lights in the distance look like the last scene of field of dreams Dreams. there was a point where we gave away a car a week for 12 weeks we gave away six cars in one day we gave away homes trips we did the great race before cbs ever imagined the amazing race twice we partnered with first time with Braniff, Braniff airlines second time with american airlines and we sent people around the world we put clues that directed them to their next location at every stop. One was in East Germany, behind the Brandenburg Gate. Michael Ray and his contestant, he was escorting, nearly got arrested by the Spetsnaz of the German East German police. I mean, we did insane things by routine. Wow. Our annual gross was in the neighborhood of $30 million. Well, okay, so I gotta...
0: You yeah. know, it's crazy, that, that doesn't exist anymore. So we've got a little B-roll when now You're the host of the morning show. I mean, uh, nobody wants to follow a legend like that. The most ill-conceived soul (laughs) patch in history, by the way. Ernie and Kathy. Was that a lot of pressure on you?
1: No, and here's why. Uh, Had Ron retired at KBIL and had I followed him Mm -hmm. there, it would have been. That would be like trying to find or follow Troy Aikman or Roger Staubach with the Cowboys. Yeah but Ron didn't retire from the Cowboys. He retired from a different team. Nice. So I had one shadow to stand in, not two. Love it. Not Ron KVIL, just Ron, which was considerably easier. As I've said, don't ever follow stallback at quarterback with the Cowboys. Find another place. And at this particular
0: moment, the place came to me. Okay, we've got a little bit of a surprise for you because this is almost like a, like a uh, family. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs>
0: There's a lady who made my
1: life a living hell. I
3: sure did. Don't <laughs> yes, you, you did. don't you miss me, Jody? You know how don't much
1: I do me? not miss writing Rebecca's College of Hollywood knowledge.
3: <laughs> God <laughs> bless. That was absolutely the worst. Oh, I hated God. every moment of it.
0: <laughs> I wonder what that consultant is doing now. Oh, okay. That's a good Re- question. Rebecca, Might have a
3: job. Okay, yes. take us
0: take us down Memory Lane. Oh gosh. First first memory of meeting Jody.
3: Oh my gosh. My first memory of meeting Jody. Actually, it was when I was still promo crew and this was at a time where you know the talent did not really associate or were supposed to talk to um, the promo crew, right? And I was walking down the hall one day, and Jody Dean turned around, and he said, hey, are you Rebecca Black? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, Jody Dean, nice to meet you. And that was probably, it was actually, it was my very first encounter with Jody, and one of the sweetest ones for sure, because he, didn't have to introduce himself to me. I knew who he was already, but he came around and shook my hand and it was, it was awesome.
0: And Rebecca, how long did you work with Jody?
3: Oh gosh. 12 years, 13 Seemed years. Like
0: 20, I'm sure for you, but no, yeah.
3: I, I, for the longest time we used to say that I was the longest female relationship you had had. That's <laughs> and true. that's not a joke. That's true. <laughs> I might still be, I don't know. How long have you and Fiona been together now?
1: Uh, <laughs> know, we're more than 10 years. Um, but yeah, in fact, uh, Rebecca's uncle uh, and I were friends That's right. at gym and yes. I did not know that they were related. And so there were actually two connections, one through work, and one through gym. Um, but uh, yeah, I, and you had to talk about following somebody. Uh, we, this is the radio, what it has become. We had a, an amazing team when I started. We had me and six other people, mm-hmm. uh, Tammy. Tammy. Tammy Edwards, yeah. uh, we had Randy Capes, we had Craig T, uh, Kathy Jones, T-t-t- Mitch Carr, on and on and on, Jonathan Hayes, God bless Jonathan, um, dear friend, and um, by the time they decided to get younger at my position, we had three. Wow. And Rebecca found out she was going to be the producer of the K-Love Morning show And walked in on when we walked in on a Monday morning, if I remember right, Rebecca. They did not tell us, and I found out later that our supervisors, our superiors, did not tell me specifically because they thought I would tell the people they were firing, which I absolutely would have. (laughs) Uh, And so so we walked.
3: I didn't know that you guys didn't know.
1: I had no idea.
3: I didn't know.
1: No idea. Uh, A program director they also fired. Ron, Ron Harrell, uh, told me later that I was not told specifically because they knew I would go to my teammates and say, I hate to tell Remember we had that lunch
3: at Bernays. Absolutely. And I,
1: I thought that. a lot of us were about to get let go mm-hmm. then, and it didn't happen. And so they realized from that that Jody would not keep his big mouth shut because that's not how you treat people who work for you forever. Bernie, Bernie our producer, mm-hmm. uh, who replaced Craig T, uh, was totally blindsided. Kathy Jones was totally blindsided. Mm-hmm and we walked in on monday morning it was you me and david rankin who i had never met right and you can't establish chemistry with right. people when you're sh- right. shoehorned in and shoved in it has to be organic it has to be and that was a precondition for me even leaving tv to go to k was i get to pick my people right. never happened wow. i got to pick 2 or 3 but never happened, okay. and I should have walked
0: the minute I realized it wasn't going to happen. Okay, Rebecca, favorite memory of working with Jody?
3: Oh gosh, we've got so many, but I will I will say some of the most fun memories and the most fun I ever had was when we did karaoke on Fridays. Oh, Do you gosh. remember that, Jody? <laughs> and the first time we did it. Um, We chose songs for each other. You
1: chose It's Raining Men.
3: I certainly did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I had to sing It's Raining Men.
3: Because there is nothing better than this big, burly man singing (laughs) this very...
2: It was
1: Horrible. I'm it, sure that the listeners all either drove off the
0: road or punched their radio out at that point. Rebecca, no. I think we need to go back and find that clip. No, no, no.
2: I'm sure it exists somewhere.
3: Oh,
0: if, if God is... I'm if, sure it does. If God is with us, there's a bulk eraser near that tape. Wow. Okay, Rebecca, thank you so much. You're I, welcome. Good to see Thanks you Thanks for yeah. having me. I had me. no
1: idea you were working here. I know. It's funny. Wherever you show up, I had no idea you're coming.
3: Twice now. So, yeah, well, um, it's meant to be, I guess.
0: So um, As I was going through all this video I found this re- cool shot of of you working with your son and let's go yes. ahead and pull this up so you converted a tiny house in your yeah. backyard and yeah we built a little 200 square foot tiny house basically for the grandkids and the kids
1: to come stay whenever they're in town but I produced a TV show out of there for CBS 11 for about 6 months during the pandemic when they were looking for filler and uh, I have an audio booth in there that's Forrest and this is several years ago now but he's a big time sound engineer rigging guy in the motion picture industry. And, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's gone on to great things and I'm so proud of him. So grateful for him. I can't stand And it. to be able to work with your kids. It's the best. It, yeah. I kid you not. I've gotten to do a lot of things, but right at the top is being able to work with, you know, first, my youngest son, my oldest son's a salesperson. I can never work with a salesperson, <laughs> but I'm so grateful and happy for him. He's he and his wife and their two kids live in Denver and Forrest and his girlfriend live here. And my daughter, who's about to graduate from high school is a great writer. And She's so much better than I was at 30, let alone 18. Um, And I hope she pursues it because she's really, really good. And I point blank asked her the other day, I said, Do you use AI? And she went, A little. (laughs) And I started to get really upset about that as as someone who's done this for a long time in the analog way. And I thought, wait a minute, this is no different than digital editing. Right. You know, it's no, or a Merriam Webster's, it's another tool. As long as you don't rely on it completely, it can be of, some benefit and uh she's a savvy smart tough sweet person and i'm just i told her at her prom night we went to get pictures i said i'm just impressed by you Mm -hmm. you impress me and i don't use that word lightly that's
0: so cool uh, we've got a little b-roll from that show that you did uh, oh
1: my lord yeah. the curl so that was my that's my Christopher
0: Reeve tousled hair there
1: <laughs> okay. yeah, don't you love that bad lighting <laughs> no but, but uh, was it fun because you, oh, have, to, you yeah. have to tell some really cool stories. I've never done anything that isn't fun right I really haven't in fact when I go to work now uh, the, the my coworkers give me a hard time because they've done it a long time I haven't. Uh, and I, I tell people that it's like another finding another present under the tree that you forgot to unwrap Yes. because my, my view as I've gotten older is that your first act is from birth to age 30. Your second act is from 30 to 60 and if you're lucky, you get a third act. Wow. I'm in my third act and I've always felt like as a writer and as someone in the media that your third act needs to be the strongest one of all, wow. send them home talking about the show. And so here I am in the third act and I got a new present to unwrap. And, uh, you know, when, when I left radio, there was a period of time there where I was pissed off. Um, but I was also excited to see what came and I learned to edit video. I'd never done that. audio I could do anything with. I was really good at editing audio, but video scared me, intimidated me. And now of course the software makes it much easier, but you still have to have the vision and the timing and the thing, the sense of the emotion, how something flows through two and a half, three minutes. Uh, you're cuz you're actually taking people on a journey with you. Yes. And so my appreciation for I called every video editor at CBS 11 I could remember and apologized I said fellas I had no idea what you guys were doing five times a day, six times a day. Right. noon, you know, morning show and they have to turn all this video and wow. and so I was never that good, but I could take the time and spread things out and that show, that uh that that was a lot. I mean, a 30-minute half-hour show once a week Um, telling stories that I felt like were positive when we were all pretty bad in a bad way during the early parts of the the lockdown. And um, just little common people doing little common things that make a big difference in telling their stories.
0: Uh, That was like getting a new present to unwrap. Wow. And Jody's interviewed so many celebrities, but I think one of my favorite interviews, I, I went back and I found an interview you did with your mom. Let's go ahead and read that. Oh, back. yeah, oh, yeah. Kiss the boys, goodbye. You know, that, that was our attitude when they went away. We didn't know how long it was gonna last, but we were real concerned because, as I say, when the letters stopped coming, that's when we were concerned. Wow, okay, what was that like?
1: Wow. Well, I'll tell you where that came from. I had taken my uh, younger sons and my sons, both of them, to see uh, Saving Private Ryan, and they didn't make it through the first 15 minutes. So we went back to my mom's house. I have two moms. I have my mom who raised me, my mother who bore me. My mother's still with us. In fact, I had lunch with her on Mother's Day. Um, But mom, Ruth, Ruth Harbuck, Ruth Harbuck-Dean had worked for the USO and the Department of Defense at Fort Cavazos now. And um, she was, if you remember the first scenes of Saving Private Ryan, the women typing the bereavement telegrams for the families, Gold Star families, that's what she did. And then she would go sing at the USO that night. And so I thought, okay, we didn't make it through the movie, but as long as we're in that frame of mind, mom, what do you remember about World War II? And uh, her answers were, the funniest one was, was, well, you dated some of the guys, the soldiers. Said, oh, yeah. What did you do on a date? She said, well, sometimes we'd go out and they'd let me drive a tank. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point in her life, you know, we didn't let her near the car keys. so yeah, But all of a sudden the years yes. stripped away and you saw this 18, 17-year-old girl with her future in front of her and a world war going on. And so um, when the 60th anniversary of the Normandy invasion came around, I thought, okay. And she was one of the people I talked to because she remembered it. She remembered the word on the radio. She remembered, you know, and when she said the, the telegrams and letters would stop coming, we knew it was bad. It was, oh, man. Wow. You know, to hear that kind of personal reflection. And, you know, it's, it, I think most of us appreciate our parents more as we get older because we really don't understand all the things that they experienced and went through, particularly of that generation. And so to get her on video telling that story was really,
0: that was really, I, I hope it honored her. Well, and you, ha- you have uh, a whole other career that I found on IMDB. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I want you to tell us what we're looking at. Oh here. my gosh. That was uh, a performance at the Texas Theater in uh, Greenville, Texas of
1: The Odd Couple. And that is Oscar Madison right behind the Pigeon Sisters. <laughs> and I was terrible. That is from The Chosen. That's a fisherman from the wonderful series. Uh, they are shooting in Midlothian and, and Utah, and it's one of the top streaming series on the planet. Uh, there's me as a Pharisee, I'd say that was casting to type, <laughs> um, a nice legalist. There I am as a beggar and a refugee and, um, stooped, uh, you know, and we, when we shot that, the war in Ukraine was just starting and I watched all the people walking around the refugees from the combat zones and, you know, refugees don't walk tall and proud. They mm. walk stooped and broken. Mm. And so you think about things like that are out there. And I, and I must say, if you've not seen The Chosen, I highly recommend it. It is not like any Bible series out there. And uh, the, the cast, the stars, the, the principal actors in it are just fantastic. The director's sure. great. And uh, there was one scene where Jesus, played by Jonathan Rumi, who's a wonderful, wonderful human being, uh, a thorough pro, uh, heals a man. And I'm on a hilltop about 50 yards behind him, and I'm bawling. Watching this, and the background director uh, comes over. He goes, "Dude, you don't have to act." I'm so "I'm not acting." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I mean, I'll cry over a menu. So you know that uh, that that was really cool. And now I'm building sets for him. I, I, Jesus
0: was a carpenter. We got this picture. What are we looking at,
1: dude? I can't tell you because that's not mine. My, my present to unwrap. Okay, that, but it, it's kind of indistinguishable, which is why I yeah. shared that photo. Because, you know, first of all, you have confidentiality agreements. And if if you put a picture up, it better be kosher yeah, uh, and it better be non-revealing. But I'll tell you this, it's a cool deal. I've never built anything that big before. And it's just so fun. It's like the world's biggest homecoming float. And um, it'll show up
0: in season four. Okay, so tell me what it's like kind of working behind the scenes. Do you prefer that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I, I me trying to make myself look good
1: has never ended well, mm. just hadn't. Uh, but being a producer or being someone behind the scenes, in that case, you're providing the tools for other people to look good, and there's something really cleansing about that. Yeah, and you know, you also get to sit back. I worked on Bass Reeves for a while, and I loved working on that show and David O'Yello. There's another guy, He's just a great professional, nice human being. I mean, we don't have a lot of interaction, but you watch how people conduct themselves on set. and You really think that's a cool dude, you know, and the other people, I mean, Dennis Quaid is in it and people like that. And you, you, you as a Texan, as a native Texan to go from a show about cowboys to Jesus and then b- back again and be on both, you right. know, can't
0: beat that. You know, well, well, you, we just took uh, the viewer on a, a tremendous journey. of of 50 years in broadcasting, what would you say to that 13-year-old boy uh, now? Embrace the now what?
1: Because you're always going to get to a point where you don't know what you're going to do. Circumstances are outside of your control. Somebody else may be in charge of your destiny. And maybe you lose your job. Maybe you get fired. Maybe you have a personal loss in your life and you say, well, now what? That can be an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And to embrace the now, what is a way of getting around the anxiety we all feel about the unknown and the uncertain, and what am I going to do now? And uh, you, if you can embrace the the now, what you will find that you have one more present under that tree you have an unwrapped too. Wow! And it's more fun. I'm telling you, I go to work, and some of the guys have done this for a long time. You know, they're very experienced carpenters and craftsmen and artists and designers. And they see me come bouncing into the, you know, into the mill, like, woo, you know, like, wow. And they're going to go, shut up. No, I love it. I mean, it's the coolest thing, you know, it's just getting to do this now. And I'll tell you, here's a great example of this. Um, My son worked on 1923. Okay. With Harrison Ford. And Helen Mirren. And you see some of the things that they built and put together. And uh, I've known other people, talked to other people who worked on that show. Harrison Ford's one of the biggest stars in the world today. You know what he does when he has off time? Mm -hmm. He comes into the mill. Really? Picks up a hammer and a tool belt. He's always been a woodworking fiend. He loves to make his own furniture and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, he's got a wood shop. But he, to him being able to do something with your hands. Yeah. I mean, when you and I are broadcasting, we're throwing words out in the air. Right. And they may last and they may not. They may right. evaporate like the morning dew. But when you take a hammer and nail something together, and I've also told people the last 10 years of radio made me want to beat things with a hammer, and now I get to. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. What would you like to leave people with? Oh, I don't know. Uh, just intense gratitude. Uh, I, I. People remember People remind me sometimes of of wonderful things. They still know the name. You know, Ron used to say that if he died on Wednesday, he'd be forgotten by Friday. And I I would tell him, you're wrong about that. But he never believed it until many years after he left radio. And he began to see how much people really did love him. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the best bit of advice I can give anybody, no matter what the career is. Just open your eyes and see how much... Some people, maybe many people, remember and do love you and say, you know, he told me a story and made him cry, make me cry now. When President Reagan was shot, that next day he played a song, Who Will Buy This Wonderful Morning by Barbara Streisand. And a woman came up to him 40 years after the fact and said, You don't know me, but you played a song the morning after President Reagan was shot. And it changed my life. And Ron started crying. He finally realized how much people loved him and how much a difference he made. Just a touch here and there. Just a touch here and there. But it changed the orbit of their stars. And it's overwhelming. It's touching. I mean, I know there are a lot of people I pissed off royally. But I'm grateful for their for their passion, for the fact that they refused to accept this as much as other people accepted it out of, uh, out of an open heart or uh, I, I don't know why, but I consider myself very, very fortunate, very blessed. And um, I'm looking forward to the now what? Wow. What, an, what an honor.
0: We're going to end with his website, which is jodydean.com. Which I need to
1: maintain more <laughs> scrupulously because, man, there's, some, oh, there's a story from 2017. Look at that. Uh, it's time to get back on that. I need to call Will Montgomery, and we need to put our heads together and update that sucker. Wow. Well,
0: uh, the great jodydean.com. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure, Jeff. My but, pleasure. I watch this show so much. Thank you. And thank you. seen plenty of episodes, God, God and it's, uh,
1: to be here is a real, real
0: cool deal. God bless you. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.